We have thousands of jobs open in the city right now, even just basic skilled jobs that require a high school diploma, and we can't fill the jobs. So if we have more children reading on grade level and they graduate on time and they pursue college or career, whatever that may be for them, then that really helps grow Memphis. Our economy attracts more businesses. And the last part is 75% of crimes are committed by high school dropouts. It also improves our community because then we're going to have more graduates, more employability, so we're going to have less crime. Christian education in the Mid-South, a special feature on Mid-South Viewpoint each Tuesday in August. We're going to provide insight into current educational issues to help parents, you, train up your child in the Lord. Welcome to this edition of Christian Education in the Mid-South. I'm Byron Tyler. Today we are in for a treat. Arise to Read is a partnership of evangelical churches and businesses with local school districts to strengthen second grade students and enable them to enter third grade reading on grade level. That is the goal. Today, to tell us about all of the great things that Arise to Read is doing is their executive director, Karen Vogel, saying, Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Boy, we've been talking about getting together and highlighting the great work of Arise to Read. I first had the opportunity when I guess this program was first birthed by Mm. a vision and dream of Miss Donna Gaines. Absolutely. A little more than six years ago now. So our pilot school was Treadwell Elementary, and they're about to begin year seven. Is it been that long? Yep, it's been that long. Now, you have been an educator yourself for some 15 years. 15 years. Tell me about your journey. Oh, wow. I'm a second career teacher. I was a banker for 14 years. And um, I kind of got tired of chasing the, the bottom line, which was a dollar bill. And I really thought the Lord was telling me that I was supposed to do something else. I wasn't sure what that something was. Through prayer and three different people said to me, and none of them knew what the other one had said. They said, Karen, have you ever thought about being a teacher? And when the third person said it, I just looked up and I said, okay, Lord, I hear you. <laughs> and I started exploring it. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm supposed to be a teacher. But I had a bachelor's degree in business administration, so I had to go back to school. I got a master's degree from the University of Memphis, and I started teaching in 2003. Started teaching first first grade. Was there any fear of these little munchkins, the students? I mean, I, I can imagine that could be the big thing, huh? Well, you know, my boys at the time were in middle school, so I really thought that I wanted to teach middle school. But my student teaching placement was in kindergarten. And I absolutely had a phenomenal teacher and fell in love with teaching the little people. And because I had that great experience, the first job offer I had was to teach first grade, which, you know, I kind of graduated from kindergarten to the first grade. (laughs) And most of my years I taught first grade. and It's a foundational year, and I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, and you did that for 15 years. Did that for 15 years. That's a lot of grading papers and uh, grading papers, writing lesson plans, talking to parents, not having summers off or leaving the school building at three o'clock. <laughs> That's not how teachers really operate. <laughs> <laughs> so Karen, really, you started at those really pivotal years. Those early years are so important. They you know, are. And we're going to kind of unfold that as we share about a rise to read and the work that you're called to. Let's talk about some observations from that age and where we see students are and and compare maybe even where they were 15 years ago to where you see them now as you work with them through Arise to Read. Yeah. The great thing about working with children in those early years, those foundational years, is they're little sponges. 
and they're really eager to learn. And when they're in that right environment of being encouraged and you have high expectations of them, irrespective of family, background, socioeconomic status, that doesn't matter. The children, they're just so eager to please you. They're so eager to learn. But those years are just critical foundational years for children to really get the core components of what it means to be able to read and write so that they can be proficient readers by the time they go into the third grade. From K to 2, children are learning to read, and then they start transitioning in third grade to reading to learn. So those foundational years are absolutely critical. The demands of teachers have changed a lot. Just in the 15 years that I was there, there was always very much an emphasis on foundational skills. We moved into the Common Core era where there was a lot of focus on teaching critical thinking skills, which are absolutely imperative. But there's just such a push to get children to read, and sometimes those components are not always included in that instruction. What I mean by that, it's it's kind of like trying to build the plane and fly it at the same time. Yeah. We've got to make sure the children have the core components of reading to be able to read fluently and comprehend what they're reading. And that doesn't even include or factor in the baggage that these kids bring mm-hmm. with them from their home life. Right. Some of them some really messed up family life. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they might even come to school without having been fed that morning. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're basically considered adverse childhood experiences. You might have heard the term ACEs. Adverse childhood experiences are things like hunger, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. That's just one aspect of some of the challenges that our children in Memphis are facing. But then you can also go back to prenatal care. And you think about, did mom smoke or drink or do drugs or anything like that? Did mom get the prenatal care that she needed to have in order to give birth to a healthy baby? What kind of experiences did that baby have? Were they loved and cuddled and looked at and nurtured and things like that? All of those things will influence a child's ability to learn. Karen, how bad is our literacy issues here in Shelby County Schools? Well, according to the last 10 ready test results that we had, which goes back to 2017, only 21% of our third graders are reading on grade level by the time they leave the third grade. Wait, did you say 21%? Yes. That's staggering. It is staggering. It is staggering. What's the competition? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I have a lot of people ask me all the time, why can't our kids read? And my typical reply to that is, well, how long do you have? There's so many different factors that go into that. Again, going back to what I said a minute ago, the prenatal care. The day I brought my boys home from the hospital, I read to them. 61% of low-income families have no books in the home. How do you get excited about books if you don't have access to books? And that's one of the things that Donna has always been committed to from day one, is to make sure that every child in every school that we're working in, whether we're coaching them or not, They're going to go home with 8 to 10 brand new books so that they can build their own classroom library. The other part of it is there's there's a great deal of focus from third grade on, because those are tested grades, in putting stronger teachers in those grades. Shelby County Schools is doing a phenomenal job right now getting teachers in K-2, getting the support the teachers need in K-2 to make sure that they really know how to teach the foundational skills. And foundational skills are things like the phonological awareness, phonics, high-frequency words, vocabulary vocabulary, all those components that are needed in order for somebody to be a great reader. So the district is really working hard on that. Problem is, there really isn't enough hours in the day to get all of those components taught 
we still have to teach math and science and social studies, and we definitely want our children exposed to the arts and music and PE and computer science and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there's not enough hours in the day. So in comes Arise to Read and other community partners to help support the district and helping children shore up whatever their deficit skills are. I mean, we're really talking about the trajectory for our children, for their future. Absolutely. And and ultimately how it's going to affect us in our community, in our city. Absolutely. This isn't just about helping children in kindergarten to second grade. I mean, our focus is second grade. This isn't just about helping a child become a great reader because it spills over to families. We had a story earlier this spring semester where the little girl took her word home and her word was island, I-S-L-A-N-D. And she's learning the English language and her mother is also learning the English language. And her mother knew enough about the English language to tell her little girl, no, baby, that's not the word island. It's is and land. Well, they kind of got into a little debate about what the word was, and the little girl finally looked at her mom and said, Mom, my Arise to Read coach told me that's the word island, you know, land that has water all around it. And then the mom finally looked at her and said, Baby, I'm so happy that you're learning how to read English and you're helping me with it as well. So it's not just the children, it's also the families. But the great thing, too, is when you have a child living in poverty, When they're reading on grade level by the time they leave the third grade, they've got an 89% graduation rate, and that's the same for children coming from middle-income families. 89%. 89%. But the bottom line is what happens is that gives them a greater chance of graduating from high school on time, and then they can pursue college or career. Well, what does that do for Memphis? A couple things. If they stay in Memphis, it takes that income and puts it back into our economy. Mayor Strickland was our keynote speaker at our volunteer appreciation luncheon back in May. He said the number one problem that they have is that when companies from outside of Memphis look to move their company to Memphis, it's do you have an educated workforce? We have thousands of jobs open in the city right now, even just basic skilled jobs that require a high school diploma, and we can't fill the jobs. So if we have more children reading on grade level and they graduate on time and they pursue college or career, whatever that may be for them, then that really helps grow Memphis. Our economy attracts more businesses. And the last part is 75% of crimes are committed by high school dropouts. It also improves our community because then we're going to have more graduates, more employability, so we're going to have less crime. So it benefits all of us. So your volunteers... I see these as heroes. They are. And I want to talk about the volunteers. I don't want to miss this because that's where our listeners can play a really important part. Absolutely. Does a volunteer have to be a school teacher or have a a college degree? No. They just have to have a willing heart. They have to have an hour a week to serve for the majority of the school year. And they have to be able to read. If they can do that, they can be a volunteer. I want to also talk about the method that Arise to Read uses. Mm -hmm. Team Read, a simple sight word program. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that and why this particular method is chosen. So what happened when Donna reached out to Shelwell back then? It was Memphis City Schools. They collaborated together to come up with this methodology that's referred to as Team Read. And it's basically just a series of steps that we go through when we're face-to-face with a child. So for every 30-minute session that a child is sitting down with a volunteer, they're going to go through the same protocol. There's a couple things to it. First off, a lot of people say, well, Karen, why sight words? There's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Edward Fry, and he researched words that are found most commonly in text. And he came up with this Fry sight word list. It's a thousand words. And they go from kindergarten to early high school. 
And those words are the words found most common in text as they progress through school. Well, when children can recognize these words with what I refer to as automaticity, which means when they look at the word because, they know it's the word because, and they know how to use that word in reading and writing, what happens is they're able to recognize that word on site. So what happens is we're freeing up some of that brain power so that when they come across a word that occurs less frequently in text, then they're able to take the time to use the clues that they have in the sentence to figure out what that word is. So we're using a research-based fry sight word list, and we're helping the children recognize these words with automaticity. Now, most people, when they help somebody learn to read, they get to a word that the child is stuck on. And what do most people say to a child when they get to a word that they're stuck on? Sound it out. Well, these are words that can't be sounded out. You can't sound out through or thought or because. And the other reason it was sight words is that if I go to a non-educator and I say, I want you to come and work, Byron, with some kindergartners on some phonics skills, you're going to go, I I don't know anything about phonics. Same thing with third grade. If I say, I want you to come work with some third graders and teach them how to read text and identify the main idea and the sequence of events and compare and contrast, I'm not an educator, I can't do that. But I open up the window and it's wide open for volunteers when I say, hey, Can you come work with some kiddos on sight words? On words. Oh, yeah, I know words. I can do that. That really opens up the window for us to recruit more volunteers. And we find the five words that they're struggling with on that particular day, and we go through the protocol, and it's a fun and engaging way for the kids. We're playing games with them as well to help them learn these words, and they're also having an opportunity to finish out by reading. How many schools right now, Karen, is uh, a rise to read impacting in Shelby County? When I came on board in January of 2018, we were in 21 schools. For the 2018-19 school year, we served 34 schools. Right now, we are slated to begin 41 schools. However, as I say this right now at this point in time, (laughs) we've had two inquiries from two other schools just this week. Well, I know that there's been some notice by state educators. So we're talking across the state? Across the state, outside of Tennessee. What's happened is when Donna worked with the district and came up with this Team Read protocol, this protocol in all of the materials that Donna and the team have created over the years has now all become part of our intellectual property. So we have a program. We have a a system. So is this like a package patent Arise to Read program that has been developed by your team? So a lot of our materials are copyrighted. The Fry Sight Word list isn't. That's an open source document. But in terms of, you know, the games that we've created and the methodology and things like that, and then all the documents that support putting Arise to Read together in a school, our coaching boxes, all the materials that are in there, all of that stuff has just been all laid out. So if somebody from Brooklyn, New York calls and said, well, I'm trying to find a program that will really help support early childhood literacy. I heard you've got one. How can you help us? And we'll let them know how they can access our resources and help train them on how to use that with the children in their community. That is so exciting. What about the teachers in the schools where you work? How do they feel about Arise to Read being on campus? The teachers that we've spoken to, you know, having been in the classroom, when you have 20, 30 children in front of you, it's very hard to provide that one-on-one support. So when we come in and work with a second grade teacher, we'll say to that teacher, if that teacher's got 10 students out of 20 students that need the support, we'll pull all 10 at the same time so that we can leave the second grade teacher with just 10 of his or her students. 
what that does for the teacher is allows him or her to really focus on small group instruction that's very focused on what those 10 children need while we have the other 10 children out of the classroom. So it's not after school, This is not an after-school program. Right in the classroom. Right in the classroom. And so where do you go to another empty classroom to do this? Well, most of the time, a lot of the schools have an empty classroom, and so we'll ask the principal if we can use that space, and we'll call that our coaching room. And so we'll bring the children out of the classroom back to the coaching room where their coaches will be. Some schools, we're in the hallway, we're in the back of a science lab, we're in the cafeteria. (laughs) We will go wherever the principal tells us because we want to serve the school. Good News Club is another factor connected with Arise to Read. Absolutely. So Arise literally stands for a renewal in student education and evangelism. The education arm is obviously working with the Team Read protocol and supporting that early childhood reading fluency, helping them learn those sight words. Well, Arise to Read has grown so quickly, there hasn't really been the opportunity to focus on getting the after-school Bible club started and really focusing on our evangelism arm. Well, fortunately, this past year, we have a ministerial assistant, and we have been working more diligently. So right now, we're planning on starting after-school Bible clubs in six of our schools. We have more than six principals that are interested in getting after-school Bible clubs started. So what will happen is, if we have a volunteer that maybe they can't serve during the school day, and they want to serve after school, we're going to have different schools throughout the community that are going to have the after-school Bible clubs. They meet for one hour a week after school fun, engaging opportunity. Scripture is tied to character traits, provide a snack for the kiddos. So it's a great opportunity to introduce the gospel to the children in our city. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. This takes it to a whole new level. And and where the heart of it is, you know, not only trying to reach them for their reading opportunities, but just think, I mean, as they're able to read, then they're able to read scripture. Exactly. And so, I mean, really, that's the ultimate goal, right? We right. want children to be able to read wow. God's love letter to them, which is the Bible. Oh, Karen. Yeah. This is, I'm about to tear up. Oh. I'm, I'm serious. This is yeah. so touching, thinking about this work. And I've always been excited. Every time Donna's been in the studio, I'm always thrilled to, to hear about what's happening with the Rise to Read. What about your biggest frustration in the job you do as executive director at Arise to Read? What is that? Well, I don't think anybody's ever asked me that question. Um, I don't know that I really have a frustration. I just really feel like this is the Lord's ministry, and He's really leading and directing us each and every day. Beth is our director of operations, and there are days when we look at each other, and it's like, okay, 42 schools. All right, we just we've just got to have you know volunteers. So I think the biggest frustration may be just getting the word out about Arise to Read and getting, it's not just retirees that are serving. We've got some incredible business partners out there that see value in the work that we're doing, and they're letting their employees leave work for an hour a week with no dock to their pay. Can you name some of those? Absolutely. I'm, I'm hoping for you to. Okay. Brim Snack Food, Artisan Floors, Barnhart DCI, Green Mountain Technology, City Auto. These are just some of the businesses that are supporting Arise to Read. And they're also providing not only volunteers, but they're providing a financial adoption to help us cover the costs of what it costs for us to implement the program at the school. Because we're purchasing all of the coaching supplies that are needed, making all the copies. We provide our kiddos with 8 to 10 brand new books. This past year, we purchased almost 35,000 books because we give books to every second grader. We might only be coaching 10 of the 
50, 60 second graders that are there because that's the only number of volunteers we've been able to recruit. But we're going to make sure all of those kiddos in second grade go home with those books. So, you know, I guess it would just be, I know in Memphis we have more than a million people living in Memphis. Mm. Everybody can have an hour a week to make a difference for the city that they love and that they live in. Wow, Karen, that's a good work. Now, I know also there are these partnerships you have with local churches. Mm -hmm. What's that all about? Very similar to the business part. You know, when we reach out to churches, we're looking for primarily just an opportunity to expose their members, their attendees to the ministry of Arise to Read. Harvest Church was phenomenal last year. They reached out and they said, hey, can you come and speak during our Sunday services and do a missions moment? I said, sure. How long do I have? They said, 90 seconds. I said, okay, I can do that. (laughs) Tonight, I'm going after a prayer meeting to a church in the Knight Road area and speak to the folks that are there and talk to them about Arise to Read to get more of their members and attendees involved in supporting Knight Road Elementary School. We were only able to find 10 volunteers for that school last year. They have 60, 70 second graders there. So the need is great. Wow. You know? Um, the so workers can, are few. I we need s- more workers. I can see that being a frustration. Yeah. Because you know what the potential is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the potential is huge because last year, only 19% of the kiddos that when we pre-tested were on grade level. When we post-tested in April, 67% of our kiddos were on grade level. The average gain was over 321 words, and that's three grade levels of growth. So even if we had a kiddo who couldn't get past word 20, which is kindergarten level, and they started at word 1, and they finished at 300 or a little bit higher, 321, that's at grade level going into the third grade. The stories that I could share with you would just, I mean, they're just amazing. And that's going to really help the, uh, the scores of the school, too, yep. because the state's always saying, hey, you got to get these grades up, you yep. know. What a great resource a rise to read is to the local school market. Yeah, yeah, because what's happening is if we can help these kiddos read these words, then what that does when you look at the reading continuum, when children can recognize these words, that helps build their reading fluency. And what I always told my kiddos is reading fluency is like watching water flow down from a waterfall. The words just have to roll off your mouth and off of your tongue, and you're reading fluently. You have to read fluently in order to comprehend. If you're sitting there trying to decode or sound out a word, your brain is all focused on trying to figure out what that word is. You're not really comprehending, understanding what that word means in the context of a sentence. So because of this work, we should see improvement in reading fluency. An improvement in reading fluency, we should see an improvement in reading comprehension. <laughs> wow, this has been so good. Okay, let's end on this note. What makes Karen smile about doing <laughs> your job? <laughs> That's really easy. I miss the classroom. I love teaching. Do you really? I, I do. But this is what God has called me to do. I went kicking and screaming. Donna met me in January of 17 and started talking to me about becoming executive director shortly after that. And I was like, no, God called me to the classroom not to be an executive director. It took me 10 months before I finally said yes to her. So when I wake up every morning, I see my kiddos. I coached at two schools this past year. When I see the excitement in a child, when they can read, when they can accomplish something, knowing that it can completely change the trajectory of their life. And what I tell volunteers at training every time is all of us, every single one of us have a story about a teacher, good or bad. All of us have a story about a teacher. And what I tell our volunteers is it doesn't have to be a teacher. You can be that voice in a child's head that said, Mr. Byron told me I can do this. 
Mr. Byron said, I'm smart. Mr. Byron said, I can graduate from high school and go to college. And that can be a voice that that child carries with them for the rest of their life. And that's what happened for my husband. My husband was in third grade. He had a difficult family situation, and his third grade teacher basically told him that she believed in him. He never forgot that. And now he's got his master's degree in finance, and he's a chief financial officer. But (laughs) all of that because a third grade teacher told him that she believed in him. So our volunteers can be that same voice for any one of our children Anybody, and I know you could probably pull out a dozen, any one particular story Oh yeah, that you could share with us before we say goodbye. Absolutely. Keegan. So Keegan lives in the North Haven community, which is tucked up in the northwest corner of Shelby County. And we had a very difficult time getting volunteers out there, and that was one of the schools that, uh, that I coached at this past year. We weren't able to get the school started until early December. Usually our goal is the middle of September because we had such a hard time recruiting volunteers. Well, we pre-tested Keegan. He was at word 183, so approaching second grade when he's in the middle of second grade. So his coach starts working with him at the beginning of the spring semester, so in January, and she reaches out to me in early March, and she's like, Karen, he's already up to word 1,000. I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) That's really quick. Are you sure? Um, I said, do me a favor. I said, I want you to work backwards with all the words that he had trouble with and reinforce the comprehension of those words. So she did that, and about the middle to end of March, she came back to me and she said, okay, we finished that. What do we do now? I said, well, grab those books and get them to read. So if you go to our website, you'll see Keegan on the video, and this is what Keegan says. I didn't like reading, but when my coach started showing me stuff that was in books, I couldn't get enough of it, and now I love reading. Oh my. When we post-tested Keegan in April, his post-test score was a 997. He missed three words. Three. <laughs> three. Three words. That's all he oh, missed. Karen. And the, the amazing part about that, Byron, is that was just in one semester. And it just proves to me our children are just ripe for learning. They're eager for learning. And when we as a community believe and invest in them, there's nowhere to go but up. You hear that, listener? There are Keegans all in our schools that need your volunteer help. You can tutor one hour a week. Find out more with Arise to Read. What's the best way? Go to the website? Call you? Go to the website, arisetoread.org. And it's A-R-I-S-E, the number two, read.org. Or you can call our office at 901-347-5545, and we will be more than happy to plug you in. <laughs> Karen Vogel saying, God bless you, my dear sister. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom, touching the lives of these children well, in our community. Well, I'm, I'm extremely blessed. I'm extremely fortunate, and I love what I do. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Christian Education in the Mid-South during the month of August. Each Tuesday of the month, we're focusing on Christian education. So I hope you'll tune in for another program right here on AM640, Bot Radio Network.